He, Mickey Mouse, popped out of my mind onto a drawing pad 20 years ago on a train ride from Manhattan to Hollywood, at a time when the business fortunes of my brother Roy and myself were their lowest ebb, and disaster seemed right around the corner. Walt Disney. This week on Slice of Disney, The Magic Kingdom's 50th Anniversary, Part 2. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I am your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney-goer and real-life guy who's still reeling from his terrible loss at Villains D&D. Oh, God, that was amazing. It was pretty fun. Uh, talking a little bit about a Patreon episode that, that we will have dropped a couple of days before this one comes out. Um, we had a lot of fun with a spooky month and a spooky theme and did a little villains Dungeons and Dragons sort of. Yeah, yeah it was. That was so much fun. And um, we weren't meaning to, I guess, plug our Patreon so early, but we're plugging our Patreon. So if you haven't checked it out, please do. We have fun episodes and uh, we do movie nights. We watched uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion, and I died. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, the dice were uh, very forgiving to you during that recording and uh, very harsh towards me, but maybe that's what I deserve for yeah. being a casual goer. Yeah, I agree. But we're out of Spooky Month now, and we are returning to uh, the Magic Kingdom. And this time we are actually closer to the real opening day of the Magic Kingdom, but we'll get back to that. Yeah, and uh, that whole like nomenclature, uh, it's interesting to hear about. So I'm excited for you to share with our listeners and myself. Yes, to dive in. So we kind of left off our last 50th anniversary episode talking about uh, Walt had just passed and where the company was left not expecting this and knowing like he wasn't expecting it himself as he was still working from his hospital bed. And he was such a leader that even though he had these incredible creatives working under him, he they were still left a little lost. Yeah, I think what was interesting to me about that first episode was how much of it became um, about Epcot. Uh, when with the idea being like we're trying we're trying to talk about the opening of the Magic Kingdom here, but you can't do that unless you talk about the guy at the top, Walt, and his big passion at that point was Epcot. And so, I mean, I, I think would, that I'd almost say it was an obsession. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that goes to kind of show what you're saying here is like you can't tell that story without talking about his obsession. Mm-hmm. And then once he's gone, it leaves a lurch where everyone's like, well, do we keep doing the thing that he was? Do we try to open Magic Kingdom? What do we What do we do? Someone Someone help us! Um, so yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see how they how they carry on after. Well, our big boss now is his brother Roy. Now Roy Disney was planning on retiring. Yeah, he him and Walt didn't always see eye to eye. They worked well together, but you know he was the finance guy. He was looking at the numbers, the creative part. He left to Walt and proudly left to Walt. Yeah. But now Walt was gone, and though through every you know issue they may have had, they were brothers who loved each other very, very much. So it was really important for him to continue this project. He went to all of his Imagineers and said, Roy was like, okay, I'm going to be your leader, and we have to do this not for me, but for my brother. 
and we are going to make his dream become a reality. So the first thing he did before he did anything else is change the project from the Disney World project to Walt Disney World so that everyone would know that this was Walt's dream and his legacy. Yeah, and I didn't realize that. You know, I as someone that um, ha- is a casual Disney goer, I think of them as Disneyland and Disney World, and, and they, it is Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Yeah, I never thought about the fact it's not Walt Disneyland. Yeah. Like, yeah, I never had put... It, I thought it was just like, well, this sounds better, and this sounds better. Yeah. Even though we abbreviate it often to just Disney World. Yeah. But it is. It's Walt Disney World. Yeah, which was the thing that like, when I read this, I was like, oh, that's cool and sweet. And I think so much about this, about Roy, I, I, I guess. Okay. So I don't know. I, I don't know who Roy Disney was as a person. Um, but I think that, you know, everything that I have come to know as, as how, how he's related to this and carrying on the torch seems very sweet and caring. And like, you know, anyone who wants to carry on their family member's legacy after they pass, uh, I think is pretty cool. So, you know, I, I'm... I'm a big fan of him t- taking over this, even though it, like he's that's not his thing. But he's like, I got to do this for my brother. I think in knowing you, you probably would have preferred to work for Roy than Walt. Probably, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. Um, I I also not to get into it because it's not about the Magic Kingdom at all. Um, but you know they changed a while back it from being Walt Disney Pictures, mm-hmm. you know Walt Disney Studio Pictures, like in the beginning of with the logo to just Disney. Oh. And I always thought that was an interesting move, kind of taking away from the classics into the new yeah. brand of Disney entertainment. It seems like Disney is increasingly trying to do that, uh, built towards you know the, the 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 word and the brand, and less about the family. But you know, eh, I can't. Uh, we 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 can't get too much into that right now. Nope. Nope. We focus we got, in. We got a we got a podcast to record. Yes, we're focusing on the magicalness that is the Magic Kingdom. So, sure. um, so Roy, Roy's role dramatically changed because now we he's stepping into his brother's footsteps, which is very different than his own, and he is going to the creative meetings. And can you imagine, like, all of these people being like, "Oh, hi." Uh, they, you know, he was not usually around there and he's walking through the dirt. He's getting his hands dirty because he really, really, really believes in the Walt Disney World project and he wanted this to be special. Yeah. And so he had no qualms about really getting involved, which great applause. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, especially if, as you said, he was a finance guy. I've, I've worked with plenty of finance guys, and they are not always the most creative of people. Um, <laughs> but they do; they are usually pretty good about being project oriented and getting things done. So, uh, yeah, so I, I can see that step in there. But I'm sure there were plenty of water cooler conversations of like, now Roy's trying to tell me that my drawing isn't good enough right. or whatever. So, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Well. May 30th, 1967, the first ground was broken on construction for Walt Disney World Resort. And um, because we went through the last time, they bought all this land. They had to disguise where they bought it. They they end up getting a ton and ton of land. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the time of this, 1970-ish, um, build this building project. This was considered the largest private construction project ever in the United States. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I can't imagine really? what I thought. Yeah, I mean, what else would have been bigger? I don't know. Maybe some like military bases. Or did you say uh, the largest private construction? So private means it's not a public good. So therefore, yeah, I mean, what? Uh, Kentucky Oaks Mall in Paducah, Kentucky? Yeah, it's not as big as Disney <laughs> World. I don't know. For me, for some reason, that seems 
crazy. I mean, but it's, I guess it's, it's true. notable for sure. But yeah. like, um, it's not surprising that I, that nothing else had superseded at the moment. I don't know if anything would have since. I got no. I mean, well, it's still getting bigger, and they just bought even more land. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they weren't able to disguise who was buying it this time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but in order to make this resort succeed and because it was so big legislation had to be passed to make this land owned by disney a special district containing two incorporated cities they had to have their own cities own cities which when when they went to go do this bill in florida it passed with flying colors everyone's like yeah yeah because florida knew what a big deal this was and how many tourists and how much revenue they were going to get if disney came so Mm -hmm. they're like yes so now Technically, Walt Disney World is on Bay Lake and Reedy Creek, also known as Lake Buena Vista. And this is kind of interesting to me. If they wanted to, they could operate as their own independent government. Yeah. I mean, if they're cities, uh, then I'm sure there's a lot of like municipality codes that uh, apply to them and things along those lines that uh, they probably get some certain like tax breaks and benefits from. Oh, yeah. They get a lot of like (laughs) tax-free bonds apparently and stuff. But um, something that I think is interesting that part of the reason that it had like in doing that, it was so that the district would have immunity from any current or future county or state land use laws oh that's smart so that they couldn't be like oh no you can't do that anymore and disney's like well we've already done it especially with florida and the swamps and the pipes Mm -hmm. the water pipes and anything underground yeah because they're i know when they bought the land this isn't in my notes so will's like what is she saying (laughs) um when they bought the land one uh, you know there was um oil i think it was there was some Something in the ground that was very valuable, but it was not wherever Walt Disney World is now. Wait, you're saying that that nugget of information wasn't in your notes? No. I'm just laughing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was like something in the ground and it was very valuable. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, because it wasn't in the notes, I'm struggling to remember exactly what the mineral or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the thing was in the ground, but whatever it was, uh, it might have been caught. I don't remember. Something, right? Something of importance. And so they had to make sure before they the people sold the land to them, they had to like go underground to make sure there was nothing down there. They're like, no, this is really worthless land. And everyone's yeah. like, okay, fine. Yeah. So anyways, um, the only things that the district had to submit to the county and state were property taxes and elevator inspections. Okay. That was in my notes. That was. <laughs> Will suggested we cut the elevator inspection piece, but uh, gosh yeah. darn it, we're keeping it in. <laughs> the people need to know. That they need to know they that their know. elevators are safe, <laughs> especially the one on Tower of Terror. That's true. That is true. <laughs> I wonder how that inspection goes. Yeah. Um, and at this point... As they have become a city, about only two things had really started when they broke land. And that was one, clearing out about 100 acres of what was going to become Magic Kingdom. And a large tree farm where they were going to test tons and tons of trees to see how they handled the climate and weather of Florida. Yeah, which is very cool. I think that's that, that's pretty neat. I mean, and we talked about it, I think, with some of our like safari episodes and stuff, too, where it's like they have to make sure that these things can actually live in Florida's uh, climate. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, So those were the two things that they had started on. Yeah. So, But right now, I mean, just clearing this land out, it's just this large space. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to imagine what was going to be where. So they put a giant X directly in the center where the castle was going to be, but then nothing else. And when some of these construction people or, you know, even Roy himself is trying to envision, because right now it's just, you know, 
they they decided what they had to do was was put huge balloons where the landmarks would be. So like there were going to be two hotels opening mm-hmm. with the resort because obviously this this isn't just a little Disneyland. This is a whole big thing. So they ha- were going to open at least two resorts when um, when the theme park opened. And in order to be able to see this, the, yeah, and where different little things would be, balloons, these large these like weather balloons, balloons. Yeah. were going to be set up. So there was like one a mile away from where the castle was going to be for the contemporary and another one over where the Polynesian was going to be. And now this, picturing that, helped them really envision what this theme park was going to look like. See what the scale of the park was going to be. Yes. And I also think it was a pretty dreamy moment for them to just see how Walt's story and what it was becoming and then seeing how big this was. Yeah. I I think it was pretty impactful. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you're you're, you're adding some uh, reality to all of these sketches and the conversations you've been having. So even though it is just a big X since a couple of balloons, (laughs) it probably is like, oh, all right, this is, it's not it yet, but this is the first stage step. I mean, imagine it's a mile away and there's a little weather balloon and how tiny that would look from your eye. And you know, we are constructing everything Mm -hmm. in this area. In between here and there, yeah. Um, And this was no, I mean, easy task. What I do think is funny is that Walt ended up getting one of his dreams. One of his very important dreams. Which was it? That Magic Kingdom was going to be placed in the very back of the property. And that was designed to make people drive through Epcot Mm. on their way to the theme park. (laughs) Which uh, is actually interesting to me because it wasn't Epcot in uh, Walt's eyes. supposed to be like a carless city. Well, you would... So the way that it would have worked is there was a parking lot you would leave your short-term car uh-huh. and then you'd get on a monorail and oh, you'd have to take these see, monorails, which that actually kind of happened too. Okay. Um, you know, Magic Kingdom, there is no parking yeah. in front of it. So in order to control all of that, they ended up, they, they wanted to control how you experience that and enter sense. the parks, yeah. including passing through Epcot. And so... This actually kind of leads us into their next huge, huge project, which was going to be all these waterways. So Bay Lake, which was already there, the real lake. Lake Buena Vista. Lake Buena Vista um, is going to uh, be drained, cleaned, and then all the sand from the lake was going to be taken out to make fake beaches on the property. Hmm. Um, but So the one real lake is no longer a real lake. But we're going to expand it, and they're going to take part of that lake, now that it's clean, connect it to a man-made lake, um, Call, that was going to be a 200-acre lake in front of the theme park known as the Seven Seas Lagoon. So if you've ever been to Disney World, that's the lake you see. Okay. I just, I, I'm just thinking, I'm, you're, you're telling me about this, and I'm like, man, that, the amount of like logistics that go into like draining a lake and creating a new lake and how much money that must cost is wild to me to think about. Oh, we're going to get to how oh, much Oh, I know cost. we are. Oh, we are. Uh, yeah, so the Seven Seas Lagoon was very important for many reasons. Um, And one of them was the fact that it separated guests from the Magic Kingdom and the Ticket and Transportation Center. So in order to get to the theme park, you had to go to Ticket and Transportation, park your car, and um, then either take a monorail or take a boat over to the theme park. Yeah. And that... That helps traffic. That helps, you know, everyone's experience for them. Is that I mean, still? Uh, well, okay. yes, except for now there's buses as well. Okay. 
um, because there's so many resorts on Walt Disney World that now makes sense. that yeah. they bus in from all their different resorts. But other than that, what's your favorite mode of transportation to get to the park? T- time wise, or like for fun? Eh, just favorite. <sighs> that could be time or for fun. Monorail is the coolest for sure. Okay. Um, but I usually take the bus because it's the fastest. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and a lot of fights have been happening on the ferry lately. Listen, a lot like of a fights lot are happening fights. a lot. Uh, nah, people true. forgot how to be outside. <laughs> yeah. They spent too long inside and now everyone's outside and it's like, ah, you. Punch. You're Just getting fight. punched. You're getting punched, buddy. Watch oh, out. No. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also one of those facts that's kind of, you've probably heard it a million times, but in that parking lot, um, you could fit all of Disneyland and some. Yeah, I have heard that, actually. Yeah. I was going to be like, there's no way I've heard this fact before. I was like, wait, no, I actually have heard that one. <laughs> it's a pretty common fact yeah. to know. So, yeah, this is a very large parking lot. And this, so we're constructing, everything is building. And this is a two-year construction effort employing 9,000 employees. That's a lot of people. So Florida's like, thank you, Yeah, Disney. let's get those jobs. Let's get those jobs. So... I don't know if you remember in our Club 33 episode, we kind of talked a little bit when we were dealing with like the alcohol portion of it, um, talking about how people would go over to the Disneyland Hotel, have like drinks, and then go back or something. Yeah, from, that sounds from a that trolley. Sounds familiar. Yeah. But the thing, the reason they could do all that is because Disney did not own the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, uh, okay. They would just like lease it out or whatever. And this was kind of happening in Florida too, where Disney was like, I we don't we don't know how to run hotels. Mm-hmm. We do theme parks and entertainment. We don't know hotels. Michael Eisner would beg to differ. Hey. He was like, I want a hotel and I want it to be the Tower of Terror. And he would stay in there while screaming people are going past your so room. So just prove, prove the point. They don't know how to run hotels. <laughs> so they had had, they hired U.S. Steel to create these hotels because it was going to be the Contemporary and the Polynesian. They were called something different at the time, but that's the hotels that they mm-hmm, were. Mm-hmm. And they, they were just going to um, operate and lease these hotels out for a yearly fee from U.S. Steel. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, And they decided to do a different, like, new and cool, new kind of construction. And this was taking the individual hotel rooms, including plumbing and beds in, like, everything that would be in this hotel room, build it on an off-site campus, and then come and bring it and just place it into the hotel. That is wild to me. I wonder... I. Do you think they still do that kind of construction? No, no way. I mean, probably not, but like... It didn't work then either. Yeah, I guess. It just just, seems like such an obviously weird idea. So weird. I have to trust that the people that said we should do it, like, know something I don't. But maybe not. Maybe not. I'm like, yeah, I think that this is super bizarre and doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But... Um, it didn't work because they were taking forever and Disney's like, we're panicking. We have to have these open by the time we open our theme park. So Disney's like, you know what? Never mind. We'll do it ourselves. Yeah. Um, which happens a lot. And so Disney figured it out and figured out how to be in the hotel business. Right. <laughs> and lucky for them, they did because at this time, you have a ton of other businesses, hotel change and restaurateurs grabbing up this property around them. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it's the same way that we saw with like uh, Inglewood, right? When, I mean, it's oh, the same. Yeah. I, That's a very sh- niche reference. I was about to say, I'm sure so many people have specific references to it as well. But like in LA, uh, when the Rams were announced and they were building like, we're going to build the stadium. And it was like, oh man, we're around where they're going to build that stadium. The 
property value skyrocketed because everyone was like, we got to, we can have business there. People will be coming through it. And it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, people are like, oh, can I buy land next to Disney, uh, Disney World? Uh, I'll make so much money. They did. I mean, they the properties, this gross swamp land was selling for millions of dollars. Which, you Which know, is what they were worried about when they first started buying Exactly. Yeah. So all these, you know, I'm sure like Hilton went in and was like, eh, it's fine, I got the money. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but th- this is, oh God, t- there's so much money conversations to be had around this. Yeah. Because as this is all building, I want you to guess the total cost of this project. Uh, in today's dollars or previous dollars? Let's say previous dollars. That's going to be harder for me because I don't have a great frame of reference. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say it costs one uh, Hagrid's Magical Motorcycle Ride, which was, I think it was about $300 million. Okay, well, it was, you know, not too far off. We're at 400, well, that is a lot off, $400 million. And one third of that, though, was covered by sponsorships. How much is that in today's dollars? Um, $2.7 billion. Are you serious? That's a lot of money. That is an ins- $2.7 billion. Wow. Oh man, that's and that this time it was just one theme park and two hotels. Yeah, I oh, mean they had built out other sure. stuff too, campgrounds, things like that. Seven billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's wild. And um, I think they did. They got their sponsorships like they like to do. Yeah, they had Smuckers. The, you know, love love a jelly, love a jam, love a you jelly. Know? And they had Coca Cola, which they sure. fifty years later still working with Coca Cola. So that's great. But that's okay. They spent all this money and they were not worried about getting it back because the first building that was actually completed on the property um, was called the Preview Center. And this is a place where they had like their scale models and they had a short film letting guests see what was coming to the resort. And you're like, well, okay, fine. That's just like a, and it was, you know, like a typical 70s looking brown. Is Is it still there? No. Oh, man. I know. I'm sure it's been turned into something else. Yeah. Um, I should look it up. It does sound cool. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Just like a brown, you know, boring building. But in that little time that this preview center was open, of course, don't worry, it's Disney. They had snacks and they had merch, plenty of merch for you to buy. And you could go ahead and buy tickets for when the park was going to open. And in that short time, they sold $11 million in tickets. 11 million. Well, okay, so they're they're on their way to recouping that 400 million already. Already before the park's even open. That's crazy. So, honestly, that is a small number compared to 400 million, but not really but, when you but think not about before it. it. Not before it opens like that. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 pretty insane. So, for them, this was they were not concerned about yeah. money. Um what they were concerned about though <laughs> was timing. Oh, of course. Are you shocked? No, because as you were just talking about the preview center, it made me think back to like the opening of Walt Disneyland, not Walt Disneyland, Disneyland, as we established previously. (laughs) Um, And like the storybook canals where it's like, "Mm, we're open, but it's just mud. Look at it. (laughs) So I'm like, of course, I can't imagine that they get all this stuff done in time. That's, you know, when we've done it before, like what ride do you wish you could just like go back in time and experience? I think it's really hard for me not to pick the storybook land canals like as just like dirt yeah like how does how do cast members make that exciting and like i mean they they are the they should have gotten a raise they yeah they should have i mean yeah i mean i guess they were all part of the uh club 55 or whatever in theory yeah they would which, be you know, which would be cool in and of itself oh my god that's funny to think about um 
Well, reminiscent of that, they were not ready. <laughs> and uh, the night before the grand opening, it was all hands on deck. Roy, okay, he's like 78. He's not like 70. He is 78 years old at the time. He's helping unload trucks, unbox boxes, put stuff on shelves, you name it, right? Everything. Shout out to Roy for being that old and, and doing that kind of work. Because you have, if you have 9,000 employees, like, look, I know it's all hands on deck. So like, you know, but you can still get away with it if you're the uh, CEO effectively of not helping out. But shout out to him for doing it. And you were like ready to retire. Yeah. You don't even want to... I mean, he wants to be there. Of course. But he wants to just like settle down and live the next, you know, the last of his years. This is, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So um, they even, so that they didn't have the same problems as Disneyland, they brought in a helicopter to hover over the cement to make sure it was dry in time. To dry the cement. That's cool. That's smart. (laughs) Uh, So no ladies' heels were getting stuck in this cement. Yeah. Um, So October 1st. 1971, four years, nine months, and six days since Walt passed. Walt Disney World opened to a crowd of 10,000 visitors. This ten, this crowd of 10,000, which is still an insane amount of people, they were actually expecting more of a 30 to 35,000 um, average for guests to That's come in. That's interesting, but they didn't. That it wasn't like flooding the. They weren't flooding the gates just yet. Yeah, and they even had like helicopters going over and checking out the traffic patterns uh, that were going to Disney World, and it was a lot calmer than they expected. But they were okay with it because they were calling this more of a time of preview, mm. um, a preview period, because they were like making sure to test out all the kinks. They didn't want to run into all of the issues of opening day at Disneyland. That does that does reek of we didn't have as many people as we want, so this is just our soft opening. But you know, uh, who am I to criticize? It, well, it could be either way. You could that could be it, or it could just be look i know my brother's a brilliant creative man yeah but he's not so good at the business stuff so i'm gonna do it this way honestly it does seem more of like a finance move to be like let's test it out before we just open it all (laughs) like if roy's the finance guy that that kind of is in line with what i would think that thinking would be so no matter what it was um because most people think of roy's big speech that he gave was on opening day but it actually was given october 25th 1971 which was the officially which was officially when Walt Disney World was dedicated to his brother and when they did the big celebration. So that's kind of considered the the real opening day, the grand opening day? Yes. Gotcha. So they did work out their kinks for for their official opening ceremony. And Walt Disney World held a three-day grand opening ceremony starting October 23rd. And this is also when the grand openings of Disney is contemporary and the Polynesian and the Polynesian Village Resort um, opened as well. And the electric water pageant and Fantasy in the Sky Spectacular also debuted that evening Mm. on the 24th. I'd like to see one of those old uh, tech shows. I think that'd be fun. You've never seen the water pageant parade thing? No, I mean, I'd like to see it like in 1971 with the technology from back then. Yeah. I feel like that'd be cool. Yeah, they do. I'm sure that the one that they do in the Seven Seas Lagoon is like original it's yeah. old okay just like lights and it's like a dragon and he's like Wee. Okay. and there's an american flag at the end and you're like okay i'll look it up on youtube <laughs> i'm excited um and on the 25th which was the actual dedication day mm-hmm. that's when um they had the river boat which is you know the river boat uh, peter plans flight 2000 why do i always do that Two 20 
20,000 leagues. The number is 20. The number is 20. <laughs> 20,000 20, leagues 20, under the sea. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Um, all opened as well for the guests. And okay. there are tons of celebrities there. Like uh, who? Like Bob Hope. Julie Andrews. Okay. You don't know who Bob Hope is? I do know who oh, Bob Hope is. Why do you think I don't know who Bob you Hope gave, is? You gave me a look and I'm like, you probably drive on his street every day. <laughs> you think so? It's in Burbank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's Bob, the Burbank ball. Airport is named after Bob Hope. Yep. And um, uh, Jonathan Winters and Rock Hudson and many more. Okay. So I do know Bob Hope. The other three, maybe not as much. I know there are probably people I should know, but I'm really bad with celebrity names. Rock Hudson was an actor, and I'm curious if that's who Doc Hudson in mm. Cars is supposed to kind of oh, interesting. Rem and, like, represent. Yeah. I don't know. I thought about it, though, when I was cool. writing this. Um, and so Roy gave this speech, which is, we said in our initial episode, um, and if you could play a little clip. Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and the life of Walter Elias Disney, and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt Disney's dream come true. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place, a magic kingdom where the young at heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together. Dedicated this 25th day of October, 1971. And I think that it really was a moment, not just for Roy and not just for Walt, but for everyone who had worked at the Disney company. And just like the, you know, just to thank them for all of their hard work and for persisting and for allowing this dream to come true. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you have to feel like uh, that uh, Roy, in a way, is obvi- it's obviously like dedicated to Walt, but it also probably feels like he's he's kind of done the thing that he set out to do in memory of his brother, and that's great. I, 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 you know, I think that that makes it that adds obviously a little bit more, and maybe that's you know one of the things that um, is so special about Disney mm-hmm. is the family aspect to it, um, and you know, it's it's probably not lost that the reason that that might be is because it was based off of a family to begin with, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a uh, very cool to see the culmination of the hard work. Yeah. You look at the two parks and you know, the partner statue, which you do have at both, but of, of Walt and Mickey holding hands. Mm-hmm. There's another statue at Walt Disney world of Roy sitting on a bench with Minnie. Oh, and I think that people walk by it because it is Walt Disney World not thinking but when you realize how much this was really Roy's Park yeah and how much a different kind of love went into it not a love of his own dreams but a love for somebody so important like that's very unconditional love that it's nice to to see and you feel that when you're in the park yeah shout shout out to Roy shout out to Roy oh nice and sweet um and this, this celebration was very big. It was huge. It was just what Walt wanted. He wanted you to enter, you know, leave the world that you know and enter a new one of full of imagination. And so there's a huge, there's the speech, 
There's music. There's a huge parade traveling through the Magic Kingdom that day. It included 5,000 performers led by Mickey Mouse, of course, um, leading the world's largest bass drum at the time. And the pinnacle of the parade was a performance by a 1,076-piece ceremonial marching band. That, as someone who has been in a marching band before, is a large band. What is the average size of a marching band? I mean, hard to really say, but like a hundred is like large, but not like overly large. Right. Anything more than that. I mean, you know, the the drum corps ones you might see that are like professional marching bands. Uh, they're probably around that size too. So like, you know, uh, an, a, a thousand piece, it's almost like... That's- you know, I could be in that and not play a single note. No one would ever know. It's <laughs> basically what I did when I was at the University of Kentucky in their marching band. So. You, wait, you played at the University of Kentucky? Oh, freshman year. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't know that. And then I was with a bunch of, like, it was like, I wasn't a music major, and it was with a bunch of music majors, mm. and so they all took it very seriously. And I was like, oh, I thought we were just having fun. I mean, it, we were, but it was just like, a, oh, this is clearly like y'all's thing. I'll let you do that. Also, I discovered like uh, hanging out with other friends. Hey, so. social life. Yeah. Different. Obviously, it was a huge success. And by the end of October of 1971, the total attendance was around 400,000 people. Good for them, especially off of, of 10,000 people for the first day. So it seems like attendance numbers really jumped up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The day after Thanksgiving, November 26th in 1971, 50,000 guests entered the Magic Kingdom in okay. one day. That's impressive. That's a lot of crowd control. That's a lot, especially for something that's only been open for uh, two months. Yeah. Officially open for like one month. I mean, I look at how... Avengers Campus or like Cars Land when those things open Mm -hmm. and how many times the rides break down they run out of food you know they're trying their best but it's a whole new world to take care of and maintain well good for them you know yeah they're struggling now clearly so it's it's only been downhill just kidding Um, they, they I think that this is interesting When they were opening Walt Disney World, though, they wanted a little bit different of a marketing campaign compared to something like Disneyland, where it's, this is the theme park and blah, blah, blah. This is like, this is going to be a full-on resort with recreational activities. You come here and it's like, this is where you summer. Like, you go to the theme park, but then here you can also go play tennis or go boating or go ride horses. And eventually play pickleball. I'm sure that that's coming. Did you see that there was a there was an article from Variety yesterday? And yes, I know I'm diverting us from the conversation. It's fine. Um, it's my <laughs> podcast too. Uh, where it was talking about all the celebrities that play pickleball, uh, including Leonardo DiCaprio. That was like the first. Okay, well part that of it. doesn't surprise but me then, at all. But then also they're like it's like George and Amal play on their like private uh, court they have, and Amal usually beats them, and it just like went on. It was. It was wild. Uh, it's taken over, guys. Um, I'm excited. Well, I'm so glad that your mom helped you get in there first. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Laying the ground floor. You did. Um, you're not Me wrong Me and there. Leo. I'm sure that um, if... I'm sure by now there is a pickleball court at Walt Disney World. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, specifically, I know that there is because uh, when they did the NBA playoffs... Um, they did it at Disney World mm-hmm. and um, like a lot of the players would play like with the refs or whatever in like in or just with each other uh, when they didn't have games because they were all stuck uh, in the bubble during COVID. Oh, okay. That's yeah. funny. That makes sense. So this has been the Pickleball Corner. <laughs> the, the Pickle Minute with Will. It's, 
And that's a word from our sponsor, mm-hmm. Pickleball. <laughs> um, do you want to know what else you could do at Walt Disney World right now besides play pickleball? I mean, not really, but uh, <laughs> but sure. Okay, I didn't know some of these, and I think it's fascinating. So you can mail a coconut. Okay, okay I'm sold. <laughs> Which, it's like 20 bucks, and yeah, I, I did it in Hawaii when I was a kid, but uh, apparently you can do it here. Um, you can do it at the gift shop of Pirates of the Caribbean, or um, the Caribbean Beach Resort or the Polynesian. I was like, wow. So buy, if you want a coconut for 20 bucks, you can mail it somewhere. Okay. Uh, you can get your hair cut in the Magic Kingdom. Still, to this day. We had talked about that being on like Main Street. And yeah. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess I just didn't realize like that's still happening. Yeah, no, that's pretty wild. Then one of my favorite things that you can do is mini golf. The mini golf there is so much fun. That's cool. What's, what makes it so oh, fun? I should go when I go in November. You should. Um, it's just really well maintained. And yeah. it's really, you know, the themes are really good and very thought out. And You should absolutely do that and like take pictures and stuff. I, I would love to see it. I think yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll go do it. So there, yeah, there's two places. Um, the I'll probably go to the Winter Summerland, of course, because they have a bunch of holiday themed things. And uh, and then other things that you can do, these are wild to me. You can go surfing. You can get surfing lessons. Like at a beach that's close by? Or do no, they have their own like indoor at, surf area? At the Typhoon Lagoon, you can learn in their giant wave pool. Wow, that's pretty neat. <laughs> I was like, um, it's $165 a person for two and a half hours. So not too bad. That's not too bad. And then... Last but certainly not least, this was something we actually learned from Rachel Figueroa um, when we interviewed our um, vet specialist. Um, You can go freaking scuba diving. Very fun. That would be a thing. I mean, you know, good on them, right? Because I I think one of the early, we we talked about one of the reasons they wanted to pick um, Florida was because it was like, there's not a ton else to do there. So like, we want people when they come, they're here for this. Um, But I like that. They're there for that, but also have a lot of other options for things to do. Um, all they, still go into the same bank accounts, but, you know, neat. They did a great job of saying we're not just a theme park. So in that way, they're living out Walt's dream of, yeah. like, people aren't just coming here for a day or a weekend. This is a full immersive experience. There are people right now, because of COVID, that sold their houses and have been living on Disney property for over a year. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, that that's... You you could get away with doing that for sure. Yeah. Um, that re- segues into the thing I was going to say. Did oh. you hear about that story about that guy who um, bought the annual passes to Magic Mountain um, that include two meals a day? This came out like I guess a couple days ago. I read the headline. It's like he it was like 150 bucks for an annual pass to Magic Mountain, and it included two meals a day. That's and so the Six just, Flags in Georgia. I so, mean, sorry, that's the Six Flags in California. Yes, and so he ate every meal there uh for seven years um because what? and he like paid off his student loans and he like bought a house because he was able to save so much money 150 dollars for food all year um i think like in the later years he started like supplementing it with like vegetables so he didn't uh die get too sick, but still <laughs> um but it seems like you could almost do the same thing at disney world just for a lot more money wow that's wild yeah um you could even get your hair cut you can even get your haircut. You can literally, there's there's more things that are special to just, you can, they do campfires, they'll do movie nights. I mean, all the resorts are so saturated with activities. You're never going to be bored. I believe it. Okay, but we should get back to the opening yes. day. Yes, back to opening day. Um, well, at the theme park, 
you're going to, you have to get in first, right? Of course. So in order to get in, you have to pay for it. And as you do. I, you know, I've been trying to avoid it for so long, but they, they won't. <laughs> they've yet to let me in without a ticket. Um, in 1971, okay, tickets for adults were $3.50. And then there was a category called juniors, which were just like under 18, but not a child. Yeah. So, you know, they were two fifty, And then any like t- tiny children were a dollar. I looked this one up. Uh-huh. Uh, that is $24 for a ticket for an adult in today's oh. money, which, like, you know, is not nothing, but is a fraction of compared to what it is now. Uh, $17 for juniors and $7 for children. So a family, um, family of four could go uh, four tickets all under 100 bucks. And right now, if you wanted to go to just Magic Kingdom for the day, just for one day, it's $109. Wow. Just for you. So fun. Oh, money. Um, but there was something that didn't, that we don't have to deal with now, which were these adventure books. And so, yeah, what were those? So, um, you could most, some of the rides were free, but it didn't include a lot of the pricey e ticket attractions. Yeah. So, even though you were um, paid your admission to the park, um, it was going to cost you about 90 cents to ride. An the e-ticket. cooler e-ticket attractions, which included like 20,000 leagues under the sea, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, Small World, Hall Haunted, of Presidents. Those were your e-tickets? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the Haunted time. Mansion and Small World were e-tickets. That's well, interesting. At the time they were. I, I believe you. I'm not yeah. saying they should not have been. Well, because you didn't um, have a big thunder. You didn't have splash. You didn't right. have space. Huh. Yeah. Makes so. sense. And that that is about about six bucks. Uh, that ninety cents is about six bucks to go on one. So yeah, and so you could get seven attractions for like four seventy five, eleven attractions for five seventy five. So you were it was I mean it's still nothing compared to today. Right. Um. But yeah, there was a you you would have to buy these little booklets. What was parking? Do we know what the parking? Oh was yeah, back we then? do. We do know what parking is. <laughs> okay. What was it? Parking at the top. Well, parking at Disneyland is now $30. That's insane. Woo. Currently, Disney World is $25. So they have not been um, uppity-upped yet. But back in 1971, it was $0.50. $0.50. So if a dollar in that days was $7 today, then I guess that's what, like $3.50? $3.25 today. Compared to $25. Or $30 in California. That's interesting, too, because I I would wonder, like, now it feels like everyone has a car, so therefore you have to have more uh, spaces for people. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But you would think that that would almost go down as they have to, like, expand the the parking lots. But maybe not. Uh, Clearly, they don't do... Nothing goes down in price with Disney. No. No, it just gets more expensive. So, moving away from the money a little bit. Um, Where did that that money go? Um, So... There were some things that were really important as they were, as Walt was alive still and they were planning Disney World and as Roy took over, continued to make very important, that they learned from Disneyland. So, because Magic Kingdom is really similar. If you go, I mean, you have the lands, you have a lot of the same rides, a lot bigger, but very similar. But they made sure to improve upon this Mm -hmm. so that when you are entering the park, you have an even better experience, more feng shui. Um, so according to this really early story back when Disneyland first opened, 
Um, he was walking through the parks, and Walt saw a Frontierland cowboy having to walk through Tomorrowland to get to where he worked. And that's how he got the idea for Firefly. They, Walt Space Disney's Firefly. Cowboys. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> he just, that is not actually the story. Do not spread false truths here, Will. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, he was, this really like bothered him though. That one, it broke the illusion for his guests, but that also that there was a lack of decent employee transportation for cast members yeah. to get from one place to another. Um, and so he wanted to he wanted to make sure that this would not happen in his new park. So when you're at the Magic Kingdom, you are actually on the second floor of the land because you can't because you couldn't go under the ground because it's a swamp. So the first, huh? That's cool. The first land, yeah. or the first like layer, uh, the first floor is actually a series of tunnels. They're called utility corridors. A utilidor. A utilidor. Yes. I've, and, heard, I've heard of those before. Yes. So these utilidors um, are just a series of tunnels so that the cast members can get around all of the Magic Kingdom with, and pop up in certain places without being seen in other lands. So, and that might be what we would. Uh, what they would consider backstage now, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. and there's like these cool garbage Shoots shoot and things. Stuff, yeah. and, I mean, anyone I know who's worked there is like, it's not magical. It's just, yeah, you know, cement hallways. But that's technically the first layer. And then when you are in the Magic Kingdom, you don't really notice that there is a hill to kind of. That's get what in. I was wondering. I have to assume it's like a, probably a gradual slope that you don't really notice, and then yeah, know, that's cool. I think that's cool, too. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, I think having the water helps with that illusion as well. Having the lake, and then you kind of go up and you see the castle. And there is, there's this gradual growth. Right. So so even though you think, you know, you're on, like, sea level because it's swampland or whatever, you're actually 107 feet up when you're hanging out in Magic Kingdom. Oh, like up above sea level. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Since you're on the second floor. <laughs> I was like, from you're, what? From <laughs> Mount Everest. <laughs> um, but you, yeah, you really don't notice. And I think that that's wild. That is very cool. Um, and that, I wish we had that here, but you can't really go underground here either because we have earthquakes. Nobody has basements here. No, I mean, that is, that is true. But the unfortunate thing is that it, this is a great idea and it works having these underground utilidors. But unfortunately, because of money, it's re- only there, Epcot's Tomorrow World and what was Pleasure Island. So a part of Disney Springs. Yeah. But they couldn't, they haven't had them anywhere else just because mm-hmm. they couldn't. It was too expensive. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, building an entire land on top of an entire uh, first floor underground uh, land. utility <laughs> land seems pretty wild. But um, also, you know, typically, I think the park goers are not going to be able to see that. What are they going to be able to see on opening day? The important... What, what stuff's there? Okay, I know you hate lists, but we're going to kind of go I through do. what you could see on opening day. Like attractions-wise? Attraction-wise. Um, All right, I'll, 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 I will allow a list just this once. Okay. And okay. probably any other time I said just this once. On well, this first of all, you see a castle. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, then you have uh, you have a carousel, Cinderella's Golden Carousel, Country Bear Jamboree, mm-hmm. huge hit. Um, you have you know how we have the Golden Horseshoe review? I definitely did not, but I believe you. 
the restaurant. It's like at the. No, corner. I know what you're talking oh. about. Actually, yeah. Uh, he's he's like stop it, Kelly. <laughs> uh, they have the diamond horseshoe review. Okay. You have Dumbo, the flying elephant. You have the shooting gallery, Hall of Presidents, the haunted mansion. It's a small world. Jungle Cruise, Mad Tea Party, uh, Mickey Mouse review, and Mike Fink, Mike Fink keel boats. I don't know what that is. Uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, R.I.P. The Skyway, Snow White's Adventures, not scary, just adventures. Swiss Family Treehouse, which is still there now. Um, a Tropical Serenade, Grand P. Grand Prix Raceway, and of course, it would not be a Walt Disney theme park if it weren't for a Walt Disney World Railroad. You got to have that. Also, sadly, Mike Fink Keelboats uh, closed in the 1990s, 1997. No oh, idea what wait, they I are. Oh, wait, I do know what this is. Oh, man, I was hoping you oh, didn't. Oh, because it went, I was watching like these guys go through and do their speech. It was like corny. It mm. was... It was silly, kind of like Jungle Cruise. Okay, well, all right. That's uh, well, but a shame you, that it's closed. Well, read for me what it says. I, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, I will, sure. Yeah. The Mike Fink Killboats were based on two episodes of the Davy Crockett miniseries, which aired on the Disneyland TV show in 1955, Davy Crockett's Killboat Race and Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. The ride was named after Mike Fink, the king of the river who lost the Killboat Race. Uh, the two 38-foot boats, the Gully Wumper and the Bertha May, were the actual props that had been used in making the TV shows a few months earlier. Um, seemed like they just uh, traveled around and traveled maybe to Tom Sawyer Island, and uh, people said some stuff. Yeah, and the the cast members like working it were funny, like Jungle Cruise funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, well. So that's a good. That's a good size. That's a good amount of things that were open. I mean, I that, do. A I lot do more than Disneyland. I do question like the status of each one of them, knowing kind of the status of the attractions that open in Disneyland. Um, but you know, that's. I think. I think I counted nineteen. Um, so nineteen attractions for three dollars fifty cents. Don't pretty, rub it in. Pretty cool. Yeah. No. It, it sounds. Like it was great, and it does sound like since they took a little more time, mm -hmm. and they had already had practice with an entire other theme park, so that helps, you know. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. one thing that I love is that Disney World, though it's bigger, is kind of one big loop. Like, yeah, you don't ever have to go back to the hub to get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, that's not total. Like, you get stuck in places. Not as much anymore. I guess Star Wars now you can connect through, but it's long. That was this amazing theme park that was opening, and Roy had worked really hard to make his brother's dream come a reality, for the most part. Yeah, we missed him we one. Get... We missed him one big thing. <laughs> the futuristic Utopia City that we're not allowed to call Utopia or City. Yes, uh, Epcot. Um, very quickly, though, became the idea for the second theme park. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure we'll do a full episode on on oh, Epcot. Yeah. Uh, for sure just in general oh i mean it, it's gonna definitely be a two-parter it's yeah. very long there's so many details to it but um they decided look we know that this was going to be the labor of his love mm -hmm. and passion and making this city but it's just not going to happen so they decided to work on epcot as a theme park but it wasn't going to open for another 11 years that makes sense. I mean, you, the amount of effort that goes into opening one, being able to open both at the same time would be uh, something that I would not put past Walt, but right. uh, the rest of the company, I think, you know. I, I just, it's take, a lot. Take smaller steps. Yeah. But uh, sadly, Roy wouldn't get to see Walt Disney World expand or see Epcot. 
because Roy died uh, at the age of 78 on December 20th, 1971, due to a stroke, less than three months after the property had opened. Which I think is, you know, obviously very sad, um, you know, but at the same time, I think it's, you know, you, I think you, you hear of people that like work and work and work. And then when they complete a project or when they retire, it's like, well, what's next? I don't know. And then that, that maybe when they pass or when they're like with a loved one and they just don't live much longer after they're, yeah. you know, and so I think, you know, it, there is, it's very sad and I wish that that did not happen. However, there's something that's romantic and like poignant about that, um, you know, he did he this for his brother and he powered through and then after it was over he got a chance to rest which is very sweet yeah it is it's it's sad and beautiful that these two people put their blood sweat and tears into something yeah and gave as much as they actually could they that's all yeah that's all you have to give and that's so much and yeah. it's changed people's lives yeah so Though he didn't, neither of them got to see what it is today, it continues to live on mm-hmm. and grow. And I think that now, instead of going through every change that we could go through with the theme park, right? You know, it's nice to know that this is what Walt wanted. He wanted for the parks to forever be growing and changing. And they do, mostly for the good. And um, that's one of the things I love about this podcast. We get to talk and explore all of the changes that have come yeah and i mean i think it's uh i think it's something that i enjoy about it too despite not being like as in the weeds as you are i think it's cool to get to learn about all of it and then you know i'm i i am constantly surprised about some of the stuff that i learn and then you know if i ever go yeah when i ever go you will i'll get to see all that cool stuff and be like oh there's the mini and roy i'm gonna sit next to the two of them take your picture there is. It's it's a very special yeah. place. Um, actually, I think this. I gotta throw in this fact because it blew my mind. Even though Walt didn't build his city for Florida, like it was for himself, but it happened to be in Florida. Florida is doing okay because Orlando is the most visited city in the country. Wow, more than New York City. That feels uh, wrong. I. I, I just I'm like not, spit. I was so excited. Yeah. I'm not saying you are wrong, but that feels hard to believe. We can double check. My resources may have been incorrect. We did a little bit of extra research. A little bit of extra. It's still New York, so I lied. Uh. Uh, Orlando is fifth, though. Yes, uh, which, which is because tr- of theme parks. It's got, yeah, I mean, it's five million visitors per year. And it's um, not like Disney's missing out when they go to New York because half the shows on Broadway are <laughs> Disney shows now. That's true. Um, so... It's created quite a legacy, and we're excited that we get to talk about it all the time. Uh, There's one other thing that you had in your notes that I think would be cool to go through, and those were some of those like first uh, opening day memories from some people. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me for before sure. we close out. Um, the, I found some opening day cast member memories, and I thought that was really special. Do you want to read? I'll read the first one. Sounds great. You read okay. the first, and I'll, I'll read the second. Okay. And then we can read the third together. Okay, every other word. It'll be so fun, especially for our audience. Specifically for our audience. (laughs) Okay. My very first job on opening day was for the folks coming over the bridge towards the Haunted Mansion. I was the person that was going to take that e-ticket. Breaking the code on that A through E ticket was a little bit more cumbersome for me than I think you can guess. There were plenty of people that got in that morning on an A ticket, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Whoopsies. 
He's just going through it. That was Phil Holmes, who later became Disney World's vice president. Shout out to Phil. Way to let people in. You know, I've, I've, hey, I, lo- I love... A man of the people. Feeling lucky, you, you know? You know who wouldn't do that? Who? Bob Chapek. Bob, Bob Chapek would not. In those days, there were no rehearsal facilities. We had been rehearsing in parking lots, gyms, schools, church parking lots, wherever we could go. We traveled all over Central Florida getting performers for the parades. Choreographer Forrest Baruth. Later, the Epcot show director. Oh, wow. Yeah, now they like rehearse in the middle of the night. It's kind of it's fun to think wild. about, like you know, just in a church parking lot, you see a bunch of people out there practicing for parades. Yeah, and being like, "What are these people doing?" I mean, that's kind of what it's like being a theater kid, honestly. Um, I've practiced in a parking lot before. Yeah, um, one of the huge memories I have from opening day was watching the rope drop on Main Street USA and watching thousands of people stream into the various lands of the park and occupy this place for the very first time ever. You could imagine the fulfillment of Walt's dream that he never got to see come to fruition. And that was custodial host Kevin Myers, later vice president of resort operations. Very cool. I love that these are quotes from people that were there opening day and later and stuck con- with the company. Yeah, yeah and, and grew position-wise. I don't know how much that happens in the parks now. I'd be curious to talk to cast members about it. Yeah. Because um, I do love, I mean, like Tony Baxter hearing yeah. his story. Um, there's so many people like that that started in one place and just kept going up in the yeah. company. I just don't think that that happens in general anymore with, with corporations. I mean, to yeah. some extent, sure, but it's much less common than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, that's a, we did it. Woo! We got through uh, both parts. We did. We did it. Um, if you are wondering for one last little tidbit before we go, um, rides that you can only ride at the Magic Kingdom. Sure. Lay it on me. Uh, people Mover. Because uh, somebody ruined ours here, trying to make it raw rockets. Although you're blaming me for a second. Usually the somebody passive aggressive mm. is about uh, yes. me when it's on the podcast. True. I was like, what did I do? Or it's about someone else. Guess who? Guess who? Well, I mean, I already did the Bob Chapek joke, but I'm assuming Bob Chapek. No, no. Guess oh, who? oh, oh. Uh, or uh, Michael Eisner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me and Mikey. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Wazowski, which is the next one. Uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. I think it's great. It's a very fun show. A Hall of Presidents and uh, the one and only Carousel of Progress. Cool. I will have to uh, keep an eye out for those in the future. So, and most of those are, you know, some OG or close to OG. Yeah. Monsters, Inc., not so OG. Yeah, that's true. That's so cute, though. I believe it. Um, so, you know, again, this is one of our kind of special episodes, so it's hard to do like your normal, how uh, do you go to D- Magic Kingdom every time you go to Magic Kingdom? Uh, <laughs> if there's 10 minutes before it closes, are you going to go on it? Um, but I think, you know, this is kind of an open-ended question. Maybe there's an answer to this, maybe there's not. Is there anything from the original opening day that is missing now that you would like for, you think would be cool for them to bring back? My answer is going to be the $3.50 tickets. Oh, well, that's a great answer. Um, I, I would have liked to ride this Skyway that I never rode. Yeah. Um, I think that sounds very cool. Yeah. And that doesn't exist. I think uh, I think it'd be cool to go on some of those old school attractions before they had the technology updates. Just, I mean, obviously technology is going to make things better for the most part and make it more immersive. But I think seeing yeah. the way that you know, it's it's kind of like with uh, 
with like movies like sci-fi fantasy or like horror movies right. where they have practical effects like you can just feel that like the weight of a practical effect and knowing that someone put it together versus like a cgi uh, which isn't bad it's just you know different. just different so yeah i think that'd be cool to go back and be able to see some of that stuff i agree i think the only ride that's really struggling and it's shape wise is matterhorn yeah because matterhorn is you, you can't i mean it's such a classic and there's so much heart there but it's rough. It's yeah. a rough ride. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. And yeah, I don't know if my stomach could handle that. So it's it's more like in your head. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's probably true too. Well, thank you so much for listening to our Magic Kingdom celebration. It was very fun and nostalgic and sad and beautiful. Yeah, it had a lot of layers going on. Yeah, and I, I you know, something that we should mention here: uh, shout out and congratulations to Josh and Tyler. Uh, the Disney gays. They were guests on our podcast uh, a couple months ago. Um, they just got engaged. Yay! Very excited for them. Oh, yes. Very excited. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to say that one, you know. Cause congratulations. And congratulations th- to our last uh, uh, guest who just got married. Yeah. So if, Jeff. You, if any of you guys out there are looking for uh, finding that special person, um, come, come on to our the podcast. podcast. It works. Yeah. We're, that's what we do here. Yeah. We, we're matchmakers, actually. <laughs> Slice of Disney is a is just code for matchmaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, if you have anything you'd like for us to cover, any um, questions or anything you want to know, just reach out to us. You can do so. Um, you can find everything at sliceofdisney.com, but uh, you can also reach out to us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. You Where's can it? also find our socials. Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram or slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter. Um, and again, honestly, just go to sliceofdisney.com. The, the links are all there. You can find our Patreon, what we talked to teased about at the very beginning of this episode, doing a lot of cool stuff with that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we're working. Also, if you like TikTok, it's not really a slice of Disney TikTok. It's it's Kelly Washington. Um, that's my TikTok name, but most of the content I make on there is for Slice of Disney. Yeah. So I and probably... I'm not on TikTok. If you see someone on TikTok pretending to be me, you uh, say, good job. Oh, okay. He, he's into the identity theft. Okay. Well, I mean, if they're like visually pretending to be me and they're like good at it to uh, the point to where it's confusing, like I'm impressed, honestly. <laughs> Justin Turner, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, also, we want to say go Braves uh, World Series. And By the time this comes out, we might know. Yeah, gosh. Okay. This goes scary. Um, well, thank you again. This was so much fun. We're very excited for this month. Um, lots of fun episodes and a little bit more Disney travel. So more things to bring you. Okay. Uh, we love you all. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye.